friend of mine uh, and I, back in August of 19, we decided that we were going to take these, these sayings, these, these things that people were saying to us, and we were going to put them over this like Fitzbo looking meme and background of like beautiful lakes or rivers or these things and put these stupid words over that just to show you like how dumb it looks, you know, when I make kind of a, a fake inspirational kind of quote out of it. Um, and I wrote the words, you look like a man over this like beautiful background. And I put it on Facebook and it kind of took off from there. People thought it was hilarious. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to pro strongwoman Jessica Fithen. Among her many accomplishments, Jessica is the first strongwoman to block press 100 kilograms or more. She's also very active on social media, and she's the brains behind the Instagram page, You Look Like a Man, which highlights and parodies some of the more ridiculous and usually unsolicited things women lifters and strength athletes hear online. This recording is equal parts deep dive into the sport of strongman and an examination of strength communities on social media. A little bit different today, but we hope you enjoy. Also, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a lot to cover, and we're actually going to take a few different angles on this, maybe more than people might expect if they just read the title of the podcast. But let's start off with the, the person. How did you initially get into strength competition, strength athletics, all that jazz? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I've been doing a strongman for about six years now. I started, um, actually, I was going to be an Olympic weightlifter. So I have been doing all kinds of different sort of uh, exercise things, just looking for ways to kind of stay in shape, kind of stay active. I had done a hiking. I'd done some Zumba, believe it or not, which people think is really funny right now. Um, some step class, you know, some spinning, things like that. But nothing really kind of stuck out to me. And, you know, if you don't love what you're doing, you're probably not going to continue doing it. So I was kind of rotating through all the standard stuff. I um, had never really done any weight training, um, not in any seriousness, but I joined a gym that had an Olympic weightlifting um, kind of program there. And I thought, well, now there's something that I've never learned how to do. I'll just show up at the age of about 34 at the time. Somebody teach me how to Olympic weightlift. So I uh, walked into a bar, an actual barbell facility for the first time in my life, about the age of 34, pretty late start. Um, but I fell in love with the idea of, you know, barbell um, um, strength training at that point. I'd never done any of that stuff. Well, it turns out you have to be kind of athletic to be an Olympic weightlifter. I don't know if people know that or not, but <laughs> you have to be a little athletic to learn how to do that. Um, I'm pretty strong, but I'm actually not the most athletic person out there. So the people, the, uh, the coaches at the, uh, the barbell facility were like, you know, if you really want to learn how to do this, that's cool. We'll teach you how to do this for the rest of your life. That's fine. But let me tell you, we have this other thing here called strongman, and you can uh, you can get away with a lot more <laughs> for that. So we had a strongman competition at this gym that I had signed up 
um, at in like six or eight weeks after I literally had very first heard the, the word. And they were like, just sign up and just go do it. And so I basically did just that. And I signed up for this novice competition, literally have never heard of any of, any of, this stuff, any of it. Um, and I showed up and I did it and I won my first novice competition. And as they like to say, the rest is sort of history. I was completely hooked uh, kind of just from the very beginning. So that's, that's kind of how, the, how it started totally by accident. Well, okay. So if you've never heard of the sport of strongman and you go from, from that no knowledge to competing in, in six to eight weeks, obviously there's a learning curve. What was the event at your first competition, if you remember, that made you scratch your head the most? Like, wait, you want me to do what with what? Yeah, the first one we had, um, I had never picked up a log. And if people don't know what a log is, it looks like a log. It's a metal implement that's meant to simulate what a log would look like. And we had to do a log incline bench press, which is a really weird thing that I've actually never seen again. But it was this weird sort of like these offhanded events with this weird stuff. And it was just meant to look cool. It was just meant to look different. And it was just meant to look cool. And I remember going there and thinking, that how different it was because I had dabbled sort of in powerlifting um, before that, but how fun it was that like these events and these promoters um, for these strongman shows literally just make them up. So you go and you, you, you have no idea kind of what events that um, they could kind of come up with. So I really kind of was drawn to the idea that like all of the events were going to be different pretty much every time you go somewhere, you've got kind of a different event that you could be training for. So the variety was there for it, but the first, the first competition I did, we were doing these weird uh, presses with a log and we did some stone over a bar and that sort of thing. And people were like puking and bleeding and, you know, swearing. And I was like, these are my people right here. Like, this is the thing. These are the people. So it was <laughs> people peeing all, you know, all over the place. It's great. <laughs> yeah, very, very graphic and visceral. But if you've ever been right. to a strongman competition, <laughs> it starts with the swearing and it escalates from there. It escalates from there to all the bodily fluids and then some from there. So it's just kind of like, it's very kind of backwoods, you know, in people's uh, uh, parking lots of their gyms with this equipment that they may have made and that sort of thing. So it's about the farthest departure from you know, Olympic lifting or powerlifting, which is very, you know, standardized and always for a good reason. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty much the farthest from that where you get there and it's just like, I don't know, I've never seen this before in my life. Let's just pick it up. So that part I found very appealing. You excel at, at my favorite strongman event, which is not, I think if you ask like 10 people who write on strength sports, compete in strength sports or in the community, what their favorite strongman event is, I don't think anyone else would say this, but the block press is absolutely my favorite event. No one says that. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm weird, but I have you on this podcast. So, yeah, yeah. Like, so jokes on everyone else. This right. is my podcast folks. I'm right. Tell us a little bit about, your training for that, what you've accomplished in that lift. It's just a weird thing that like, okay. I, I, um, if you've ever pressed a barbell overhead, you have an idea of what a log press might feel like. It's going to be different, right? But if you're like a power lifter or a crossfitter, you can kind of get a sense like, okay, a log kind of feels like this, but the block press is just this weird. Thing. Like that, right. <laughs> yeah. So a block is literally what it sounds like. Um, the one that we use is a big um, metal block where the lid comes off and it's actually plate loaded on the inside. So you can change the weight of the block um, unloaded. It's about 120 some odd pounds with just the lid on it. Um, so a block press is literally just that you're picking up a block from the ground, you're cleaning it to your chest, and then you're trying to press it overhead. The, the block particularly is, is, 
I'm not going to call it my favorite, <laughs> even though I, I do it. Um, it's probably the most technical strongman overhead lift there is. It's one of the ones it's, 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 it's a little dangerous. Um, if you will, it's pressing um, something that has no handles. So you're pressing this block, you know, kind of from overhead in a neutral, um, kind of like a strict press, but there's nothing to hold onto. So you have to take this block and you have to balance it basically on your wrists over your head with your elbows locked out. And then you have to hold it there until you get a down call. So um, it's a lot more complicated than a, a barbell, which you can actually get your whole hand around, or even we do axle and that sort of a thing. Um, the block is is kind of a league in and of its, its own. So it's been kind of a, a pet lift of mine for a while. Um, you don't see it um, super heavy. A lot of shows, it's difficult to train for. It's difficult um, to kind of do, but um, I've held the, the the world record on the log. I'm sorry, on the block twice. Um, I set it a couple of years ago. It was at like 184 pounds a couple of years ago. And then I reset it um, earlier this year at 220 um, pounds. So it was a lot of fun. Um, we went and did that. Me and a, a guy named Steve Schmidt is the, the guy that has the, the men's world record, um, which is, I think, over 350, somewhere in there, for, which is just ridiculous. Um, so, but he's a lot of fun to watch. And he's usually at these things too. But it's a fun lift to watch at least. The thing about the block press that for me is the most like gut-wrenching as a spectator gut wrenching isn't the right term but it's the one i'll use is when you you drop it it's just yeah. get get the heck out of the way it's not like a barbell where yeah. you can you know easily guide it down it doesn't have bumper plates on the ends that make it drop in a predictable fashion yeah. you're just kind of like drop and and pray and tell everyone to move and so when you train that one at the gym it's one of those lifts that gives people a heart attack uh, people you know don't drop the weights etc cetera, etc cetera. and this is one of those lifts that you just have to let it go kind of at the top um if you try to gingerly let it down it will hurt you so you have to be okay you know we aim for a tire and that sort of thing on the ground but um when you train it it's one of those things that we set up and then you clear a five foot radius and i say you know it's going to come it's going to fall in front of me it's going to fall behind me it's gonna, i don't I don't know where it's going to go and I'm not going to try to stop it. What I need you to do is move yourself out of the way because this 200 pound, you know, metal box is coming towards you and I'm not going to stop it. I'm not doing that, but you should just back up. So it's, it's a little fun to watch and it's, it's very fun to kind of make sure nobody gets hurt actually doing it, but it is fun to watch. Well, that, that's kind of that's kind of the order of operations for Strongman. Is it fun to watch? Okay, how do we figure out this doesn't kill someone? Yeah, and a lot of people have kind of, I think the Strongman's getting a little standardized, and I think some people are kind of losing sight of the idea that, you know, Strongman is a circus act. It's meant to be ridiculous. So people are always like, you know, sometimes we'll do deadlifts that are like 18-inch deadlifts. They look like rack pulls, but they're on these like big stupid tires and stuff. People are like, oh, that's a rack pull, and you don't have any range of motion. It's like, well, if you want that type of stuff, you need to go be a powerlifter. Because Strongman is meant to be ridiculous it's meant to be oversized it's meant to be silly looking it's meant for the average person to walk by and be like that looks cool i want to do that it's not meant to be this very standardized exact same list the exact same way um, each time so we the sillier it looks and the more obnoxious that it looks um the better spectator event that it's going to be what really and this is goes back to like the pre-barbend days before we even launched barbend what always irked me about mainstream media outlets was whenever a strength record actually made it into like a mainstream media outlet they would always compare the weight lifted to some like weird household appliance they'd always be like you know this person deadlifted 800 pounds that's the equivalent of four washing machines or right. like two refrigerators it's like first off like that doesn't mean anything no one's ever doesn't translate right yeah very few people have like yeah. picked up a washing machine or like no one's gonna listen to that at home and be like well i want to see what that feels like let me go pick up my washing right machine. but what i love about strongman is as a sport that will just you know at certain competitions like 
you may have to throw a washing machine or the right. equipment of it, right? You might have to you might have to deadlift um, a car with added weights on it, which is just one of the more fun things about this sport. It's also something that makes me scratch my head sometimes when I, I ask myself, why is the sport not more popular? Because it's literally the strength sport built for spectators as opposed to the other way around. So you bring up some really good points there. What is the strongman... Well, in any given competition, you could have any implement thrown at you. There's literally an infinite range. What is the like fairly common strongman event that you are want to progress the most in, where you still have the most room, you think, for growth? Um, for me personally, um, I need to um, – my Achilles heel for my entire career has been my grip. Um, which is kind of a funny thing. You need a really good grip in strongman. I don't have bad grip. What I don't have is like super elite grip. <laughs> so when you compete against the super elite women, you have to have super elite grip. So compared to like the average person, it's not bad grip. It's just not that. Um, so we'll do uh, farmer's carries. We'll do frame carries. We'll do um, Hercules holds, lots and lots of grip type exercises. And for, for me, um, my grip is really hit or miss. And so I've lost a lot of points in a lot of competitions because of my grip. It's something that we just continue to work on. Um, some people bizarrely just have really amazing grip and they didn't even have to work for it. I don't know how that works exactly, but they just <laughs> somehow have this really beautiful grip and it's like, that's, that's nice. That must be nice. So um, grip is a frustrating thing for me because it's, it's not the same as adding, you know, I need 30 pounds on my deadlift or I need 20 pounds on an overhead. It's not the same exact thing. Um, and then you couple that with the fact that, you know, you can have different implements. Um, if I can do a certain amount of weight on my farmer's handles in my gym, that doesn't mean I can do that same weight on someone else's handles in their contest. If it's a different type of handle, if it's got less knurling, if it's got more knurling, if the handles are smaller or bigger, um, the pick is higher or lower, there's all kinds of factors that go into it, which again, is what keeps the sport exciting. But for me personally, and that's something that is, is easily, easily my biggest struggle um, and the place where I have lost kind of the most points over the course of my career, lots of, lots of lost points <laughs> on that. Who is your rival in the sport? Everyone has you know, one. Everyone has one. I don't like to call them rivals, even though you're you friend of me. Call whatever you want. <laughs> um, Strawman is a really fun sport by and large. Um, the vast majority of people um, that compete long-term in the sport are actually really good friends um, and they can be, really competitive with each other. And at the same time, they can both be humble and really good friends. So that's kind of the thing for me that I have found, at least at least on the women's side, I can't speak for the men's side. I'm sure other stuff goes on there. But the women's side, um, especially the pro class by and far, almost everyone is really, really good friends with each other. My hero, who I'm not going to call a rival, who's, who's my favorite person to watch and has always been my favorite person to watch, is Donna Moore, um, multiple time world's strongest woman. But she's my favorite to watch for a variety of reasons. She's not only ridiculously strong, but she is, um, she's explosive, she's fun to watch, and she's an all-around actual good person. Um, and so getting to actually know her personally, um, and everyone that's ever met Donna, I can't think of a single person that's ever said anything negative about her in any way. And that's what it's like, you know, if you don't like her, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so she's one of those people, but she is um, um, still on the up and up and not, not showing any signs of kind of slowing down. So she's fun to watch. Um, and then Andrea Thompson is another one that's up there. Um, that's a lot of fun to watch. Um, those two, I've been kind of um, on their heels for the last several years. You know, I'm just biting right at their little, right at their heels in every contest. So um, they're the most fun for me to, to watch actually on the women's pro circuit. 
we had Andrea on the podcast uh, back in 2020. She she's she's great and also just great at like everything she tries. She's like, I'm going to train for this world. I'm going to train for a pulling world record. I'm going to train for a an overhead world record. Yeah, well, and especially with COVID right now and all the stuff that got canceled, we've all been just in limbo. So they're starting to reschedule all of our shows for the end of this year. But now they're and it's not it's, it's no one's fault, but they're starting to basically reschedule all the shows, but they're all on top of each other. So I don't know if um, for them over the summer, they did a bunch of overhead world records and stuff, which was a lot of fun to kind of keep motivated. Cause I think for everyone it's been, I mean, it's just been a lot of people have had a lot of struggle, not being able to actively train for any sort of competition um, with all the ones that have been canceled. So, well, I'm going to get a lot of flack if I don't ask this question, but who is your coach? Yes. My coach is Kale Beck. Um, he's the um, owner of Starting Strongman. Um, if people um, sometimes first get into Strongman, it's one of the very first places that we stop. He has a website, Starting Strongman, and a, um, a Facebook group that's got like 30,000 some odd, odd uh, members of it. But he's been my coach for almost since the beginning, like year basically two um, in there. And he's been my coach ever since. Kale is, has been on the podcast multiple oh, times. He's yeah. written for Barben. He's also... Um, I, I say this in a, in a loving way. He's also probably like our biggest troll on social media, but, but not in but not in like a way that's like disparaging or anything like that. He'll give like on your toes. Yeah, yeah. It's like you ask a question on Instagram or something. Like you know, our, our social media team puts something together, and it's like a complex question, and he'll just answer with like a yes or a no, and he'll always have like the first <laughs> comment. It's just like Kale, come on, man, but lovingly lovingly so so shout out to shout out to kale back and we'll we'll make sure that we uh link together um the the episodes we've had kale on interesting fact he's the only strength sports coach i know who i know who owns a miniature horse so i know he's yeah he does and he um he has a a, a pupper too he had a page called i think willow and domino where his his dog and his, and his mini horse so yeah he's um he's a lot of fun because he he has this great memory. So he's also this bank of strongman knowledge. When people start currently saying this or that about strongman, he'll be like, well, in 1984, he'll just like rattle off. And you're like, oh, so he knows everything, almost everything about the sport going all the way back. So his, his history knowledge of it is, is a lot of fun to pick his brain sometimes. There are very few people in the sport who have done more to make the sport more accessible. Is there any, I mean, Kale is, is, is just right there at the top, literally, creating a, a, a resource around how to get into the sport. Is there anyone else that you look at in the sport and you're like, hey, uh, I'm not calling his contribution unheralded. I think a lot of people celebrate what he's done. Is there anyone else you look at in the sport and you're like, wow, they've contributed a lot to the sport's growth, accessibility in the sport, and maybe they're not getting um, a ton of credit or the light isn't being sh- shown on what they're doing? Sure, yeah. We've, we've talked a lot about, um, I think, the... Um, um, to sort of not people exactly, but this is kind of, this might sound weird to people. I'm not sure. Um, Rogue Fitness has done a lot for Strongman, um, which is um, they, because they're a large corporation, I don't think they get the kind of praise that you would normally, if this was a, a smaller company or something like that. In the last couple of years, since I've started the amount of money that they have been putting into the Arnold, you know, pre COVID, especially um, this year's last Arnold, you know, they couldn't do anything about that, but uh, Rogue Fitness has been really advancing the sport. They've been offering opportunities for women, um, for the women's class, for the, they do the um, Rogue Record Breakers every year now at the Arnold. That's something that they've started doing, um, keeping track of that. So um, there's a lot of people I think that are getting involved there and it's a, it's a work in progress. Nothing anybody does is perfect. And I think, you know, it's kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater when we start complaining about um, certain things. Um, but they're a company that I think has really contributed a lot in the last couple of years, at least financially, 
um, to progress the sport. And then when I started you know, six years ago, the women's pro class basically didn't exist. So it's basically, it's a new thing. Um, people might assume that it's already been around. It was basically being created when I actually first got started. So um, I think um, um, Strongman Corporation and um, Dion um, um, Masters are two, are organization that has done a lot for um, the women's side of Strongman, creating a pro class and also giving women opportunities. Um, last year at the Arnold, uh, the women's pro class were, um, we lifted on the Battelle um, Grand Ballroom stage in front of Arnold Schwarzenegger himself um, in the middle of all the body bodybuilders and <laughs> all of these people. And that was the very first time the women have ever been on the stage there um, at that, in that facility. So there, there are people that are really working really, really hard to make the sport more accessible and especially more fair um, for the women's classes. And I don't think either one of those, um, either Rogue or, or what Dion and Strauman Corps are doing, get enough uh, recognition for how far they've brought the sport even in the last couple of years it's been a huge change huge and i've seen it myself i mean the sport has evolved massively over the last half decade what are some changes you're exciting for or some points of evolution for the sport you're excited for you know in the next five years yeah i can't wait to see where it goes in the next five years that's kind of where my head is going right now i've been in for about six years now and i don't know how much longer i'll compete hopefully a couple more years at least but nobody knows you know no one's guaranteed tomorrow i have no idea so i've actually been having a lot of talks with a lot of people in the sport especially a lot of women for kind of what we want it to look like in the next five ten fifteen years um equal pay or equal er pay or at least getting closer to the women being reimbursed or or, or um promoted with the same level of enthusiasm um, as some of the men's classes. But um, for me, it's been kind of fun to sort of take a step back and say, you know, it's fun to win a title. It's fun to, to win world records, um, which, you know, eventually will be broken. All of those things, other people win titles and the next person comes behind you and breaks your record. Um, nothing is permanent, but how can we change the sport, you know, for the good for the next five or 10 years for all of the women that are going to come and lift after me. And that's kind of where my head is going, um, moving into the next five years of the sport is how can we better the sport? you know, how can I make it better for people than when I found it six years ago? So um, we've got a lot of ideas for, for different things that are coming up, but um, I think it's definitely going in the right direction. And part of it is people like Dion and Strawman Corps demanding that we have um, visibility and demanding that um, the women of the sport are given um, the same kind of visibility. And that's a place to start. So I want to change the conversation or take it in a slightly different direction and actually talk about uh, some of your impact, let's call it, I don't want to say outside of Strongman because it's it's not completely unrelated. But for those who don't know, uh, you run an Instagram uh, account that, and I think a lot of folks don't necessarily know you're the person behind it. Tell us a little bit about how that started because it started to pick up traction, right? And And might as well, might as well bring it up. Talk a little bit about that, the genesis of it, what it is. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. I want to let you tell that story. Yeah. So about um, August of 2019, so just a little bit ago at this point, um, over the, the course of my lifting career, friends and I have always um, remarked at how many ridiculous comments that we get. Um, on our social media, you know, you're going to break your back or you're going to, uh, you're going to look too manly if you lift weights and just this sort of dumb stuff that people say all over uh, social media. So a friend of mine uh, and I, back in August of 19, we decided that we were going to take these, these sayings, these, these things that people were saying to us, and we were going to put them over this like 
fitspo looking meme and background of like beautiful lakes or rivers or these things and put these stupid words over that just to show you like how dumb it looks, you know, when I make kind of a, a fake inspirational kind of quote out of it. Um, and so I wrote the words, you look like a man, which is something that people love to say to women in athletics. Um, and I wrote the words, you look like a man over this like beautiful background. And I put it on Facebook and it kind of took off from there. People thought it was hilarious. Um, and then they started submitting kind of their own quotes and making their own pictures and that sort of thing. So I put it on Instagram as a joke. It was meant to sort of just be fun. Um, just a funny thing for people to like submit the dumb things that people say to them and we'll make these pictures out of them. And so I put it on Instagram um, and it's you dot look dot like dot a man. You have to enter in the whole thing on there. Um, so it's you look like a man on Instagram. Um, and we've got just over 80,000 followers um, at this point, um, which is not bad for, for, you know, an account that's only been around 18 months or so, but um, it's, it's kind of taken on sort of a life of its own. It was meant to be um, sort of fun and silly and that sort of thing, but it's really become, I think a lot more impactful as it's gone on people um, sharing their kind of stories um, kind of from all over, um, from more a feminist perspective um, for sports. So as far as I know, there isn't any other sort of page that's kind of kind of shining a light on sort of online harassment or online abuse that a lot of um, women in athletics particularly face. Um, so that's kind of, it kind of took on a life of its own that was totally unexpected. I never intended to start an activist page, but that's kind of where I landed. So has anyone had a quote featured on you look like a man and gotten really mad about it and reached out to you about it? Um, <laughs> I sort of <laughs> notice my hesitation, sort of. Um, yeah, the, the, the people that I feature on there kind of know about it more or less. Um, I, I do, I kind of redact their names, but not entirely. So it kind of depends on the egregiousness of it. Um, but yeah, a couple of times I've had people, you know, kind of see their quotes go on there and want to argue about it, um, that whatever they said was appropriate or whatnot. So I haven't had anyone get like super mad or threaten me <laughs> at all. So I'm sure that's coming at some point here, but so far, so far not. Sorry, my first reaction to, to, to that might shouldn't be to laugh, but... Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, I mean, people have threatened me, but not over being featured. <laughs> They threatened me for other reasons, but yeah, the internet is a crazy, crazy place and not always, not always a nice place to be sometimes. Wait, not wait, what? Crazy, right? It just, it turns out that people are not always nice on the internet. I don't know if you knew that. The biggest, the biggest thing for us is, I mean, look, we, we cover the gamut of strength sports. So we cover CrossFit, weightlifting, powerlifting, strongman, bodybuilding. I mean, you, you, we, kettlebell sport is something we started covering more of, you name it. And that's like kind of the whole point of Barbend is to be a central resource for strength. Like we're not just an Instagram account. It's our website that actually does most of the work. But it's, it's absolutely astounding how many negative comments we'll get when we post, you know, someone breaking a world record or setting a PR. It's, uh, it's almost like people go on the internet to, to compensate for, uh, for their own lack of positivity yeah. in their lives sometimes. There is actually, there's actually, the more that I've kind of gone into this, the, the, um, it's been kind of interesting to read about people that actually study this kind of behavior. I mean, it's, it's an actual thing. Um, I don't remember there's an actual term for it, but it, it's the equivalent of drive-by hating on the internet where you open up your phone, you're able to type out a bunch of horrible things to a random person you'll never, ever come into contact with. And then you're able to snap your phone shut and then you go on with your life like that never happened, right? 
So it's just this weird thing where people get to exist in this alternate reality where they think these words on the internet don't matter. And, and people will say that. Um, my, my, my biggest critics of the page are usually people that think um, it's a classic case of being just oversensitive. You know, you should ignore them. You should ignore the trolls. Um, you're only giving them the attention they want. And the studies actually prove the ones that um, are actually done on online this kind of specific harassing behavior actually show that, that ignoring them actually does not do anything to deter that type of behavior. In fact, the, the more you ignore them, if you get a page like ESPN and you go on ESPN, any, any post that you go on with ESPN that features a woman for whatever reason, um, just open it up and just do, you know, three little finger swipes and tell me what you see. Um, the fact that like these comments, there's, they, there's 10,000 of them on ESPN on any single post all the same type of stuff. And there's no one saying, you know, this is inappropriate. This is not okay to say this type of stuff. Um, so ignoring them doesn't actually work. So what we're doing right now is kind of investigating, well, what does work? So if there was a little more accountability for the words that you said online, if I said nothing you're going to post online is ever going to be anonymous and people are, um, people are able to get these anonymous accounts, you know, without, without, they can have 30 of them. Instagram really literally allows you to just make unlimited amount of accounts so, but if I told you that your words were actually going to be blown up and put on a billboard somewhere, you'd probably think twice before you wrote that to a complete stranger on the internet. So some of it's been pretty, been, been pretty fascinating to kind of learn um, stuff that I didn't actually know, but I you knew that people were terrible on the internet, but you didn't really know. <laughs> and people, a lot of people message me and they're like, I knew it was bad, but like, what is this? And I'm like, yeah, it is just, you know, not safe for work language here, but it is not. It's not weird, you know, for women to open up their DMs and have rape threats and death threats. And it's like, these are like normal, becoming like normal things that I feature on here. Um, and they shouldn't be normal. And the more that we kind of normalize um, this type of, of trolling behavior, people say it's just trolling. And it's like, well, people kill themselves over online bullying. This is an actual thing. It's an actual thing. So we can't, we can't ignore the problem, um, in my opinion. I want to I want to give a quick addendum. When I called Kale Beck a troll earlier, I meant it lovingly, and he's never said anything inflammatory or mean. I pro it's it's an it's an absurd it's an absurdist humor he has. Let's put it that let's put it that way. Uh, just to clarify, Kale, please don't please don't get mad at me. I Not that kind of troll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it's something where uh, actually it, it's interesting. I know that you were interacting with our account um, from the You Look Like a Man account recently when we highlighted uh, that the NCAA women's basketball teams did not did, did not get a weight room, which ended up blowing up into this like national mainstream story, which was which was great. Like that's sometimes the, the point of media is to highlight these discrepancies that might otherwise go unnoticed. And actually something happened in that they built a weight room for these elite athletes. Great. It was shocking to me how many negative comments we got when we posted that. And this was early on. This was kind of like before it was on ESPN and everything. Um, how many negative comments we got from Barbend followers. So if you follow Barbend on social media, chances are you either strength trained or you're a fan of it in some form. So this was a post about how elite athletes didn't have access to strength training facilities. Our hope was that that's something that our audience could kind of get behind because yeah. Yeah. You know, and so uh, was it surprising to see how many people were like, they don't deserve it. They're just girls. Like, <laughs> right. 
Was that surprising for you to see that? Because like I expected it, even on a site like that. I mean, I just yeah. it, it shouldn't be surprise. It shouldn't be surprising. But I'm just like a naive summer child sometimes. You just you you hope for better, knowing that's not going to happen. Well, the thing that really got me was like the, the I mean. First off, like they just didn't have a weight room, and then they had one set of dumbbells that all like sixty-four teams or whatever were supposed to share. Which yeah, I was glad they weren't pink, but they were pretty close to being. Which makes no sense. And they like the dumbbells topped out at thirty pounds, and people were like, "Well, women don't." You know, people on Barb and followers, some of them were saying like, "Hey, you know, women don't need more than thirty-pound dumbbells." I've never seen a woman use more than a thirty-pound dumbbell. It's like, okay, this is Division One basketball. Basketball, right? (laughs) A lot of these players. Let's just let's just get it down to the, like, let's, let's talk about things in very simple terms. A lot of them can dunk. Yeah. Do you think that you develop the ability to dunk a basketball? With a five pound dumbbell? Yeah. With like light weights and light dumbbells. They, it was interesting to me that some people agreed with some of it and some people didn't for people that, that may not know the NCAA, that the women's uh, basketball, they also put out, pictures of the food that was different, which I thought was actually, and the, the, she had pictures of um, the food for the women looked like TV dinners with like mystery meat, like Salisbury steak, I think. Don't ask me why I know that. And then the men had like this big giant buffet with like tons of protein and like all others. And then they had pictures of not only just the weight rooms, but they had pictures of the swag bags. And I actually thought the swag bags were the most interesting photo that actually came out of the differences between the men and the women's camps because the men's swag, if you look at the pictures, is all very much um, very much personalized for this event. It said, uh, welcome to the dance or the big dance or something like that. And then it said 2021, it said Indianapolis, the final, blah, blah, blah. The women's swag from the pictures that, that they put out, which the NCAA doesn't deny any of this. This isn't like this is fake news, you know what I mean? These pictures are real and the NCAA doesn't deny it. This is what they look like. The women's swag was all like this generic um, it all said women's basketball, but it was not specific to this event. It didn't have any of the big dance stuff on it. And there was, you know, a quarter of it compared to how much the men's got. So the men, that they didn't even think the women deserved to have special, you know, 2021 t-shirts the same way the men did. Like how, how hard would that have been to give the women the same? And they all say women's basketball and things. So the swag to me actually was like pretty offensive, just, just, that in and of itself to me is just a, such a level of disrespect. It's not even about women's versus men's or how many people watch and don't watch. It's the fact that they ordered all this stuff for the men's and somebody made a decision that the women don't deserve that, that they're going to get all of this super generically branded stuff and no one's going to know the difference. They're in different states, whatever else. So I would think that people that follow a sports page would care about that level of just actual disrespect, especially at a collegiate level. These aren't pros. Um, you know, the collegiate level that doesn't operate the same way. Um, they're supposed to have reasonably the same materials um, between the men's and the women's sports at a collegiate level. So, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised, but again, disappointed <laughs> as per usual. So, Well, I mean, the thing that got me about that was it's not like the women's basketball players or teams showed up and there wasn't it, it actually almost would have been better. I don't want to actually say, I don't want to, I'm hesitant to say this, but almost would have been better if they'd showed up and there was no training facility. There was like no small stack of dumbbells because then at least it could have been like, oh, someone forgot. Totally. Right. They, forgot, they just forgot that we existed at all. <laughs> or like, like they forgot yeah. that like, oh, strength facilities you should have for athletes. That's almost like better than someone thinking they need strength facilities. Let's give them 
a, a small set of dumbbells to be shared across 60 some teams. And these TV dinners that were like pre-portioned and then like, so the men are getting buffet stuff where you can take as much food as you want, theoretically. And then the women have these like pre-portioned calorie, like low meals. And it was just, there's more to it than just the weight room. And there's more to it than just women don't make as much money or they don't bring as much revenue. And there's just a lot more to it that I can't think of anyone being like, yeah, that's appropriate to not even give them their own branded t-shirts. At this, it's like, that's just, I mean, that's just bar. That's just disrespectful. It's just, I mean, just on a basic level. And the coaches that have all been speaking out about this, which has been kind of sad, especially um, the women coaches have been like, yeah, we've been telling you this for, you know, forever. <laughs> and it's, it's just sad that it's taken this to kind of get to this point um, to where, you know, we're finally having some attention for it. So now what do we do from it from here? I love attention for it. I love the outrage that by and far, most people have been like, yeah, this is messed up. I mean, whatever. So, but now what do we do? What do we do from it from here? What is the NCAA, what NCAA expect to do with it from here? And that's what happens is that there's this big outrage and then everyone forgets about it. So let's check in, you know, a year from now, does it still look like this? What's going to change between now and then? It probably needs to start at the very, very top with their executive leadership. Well, Jessica, just like that, we've covered a lot of ground, a lot more ground than we generally cover on the podcast, which is, awesome because you are a person of many talents. Let's put it that way. Where is the best place for folks to follow along with what you're doing? Uh, we've always given shout out to your you.look.likea.com all the dots. That's right. You look like a man. Um, you can follow uh, me on my personal account on Instagram is filthy underscore fithen, which is F-I-T-H-E-N. Um, and that's where to get a, a in touch with me on Instagram if you're into really bad strongman training videos. That's where She's not that filthy. It's actually, it's, it's, a whole, it's a wholesome follow, folks. Yeah, it is a wholesome following now. I used to post really, really awful memes and then someone told me to clean up my image and it's been boring ever since then. But Squeaky am, clean. Squeaky clean fitting <laughs> right. is really is the new is the Your mom <laughs> could look at it. That's how clean it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.